Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. This is episode 63. Today we'll be speaking with Don M. from the Broader Path Group in Odessa, Ontario. Don will share a little of his story, talk about spirituality, his upcoming speaking engagement at SOAR, and much, much more. Well, hello, Don. Thank you for joining us. You're coming. You're calling me from, is that Kingston, Ontario? Yeah, a little hamlet just outside of Kingston. Okay. Um, it's nice of you to join us here. Um, we've got a lot of things that we want to talk about, but um, what I'd like to do, if, if you're comfortable with it, is... Why don't we um, have an introduction uh, to you by way of your um, AA story a little bit? Would you like to go into that just a bit? Sure, that, that would be great. So um, I was born into an alcoholic family, and my father sobered up when I was about eight, and I started Alateen at that time. Uh, so I grew up w- uh, basically around recovery my entire life. Uh, when I was 17, a friend and I uh, threw a party at his house, and uh, I drank for the first time, and uh, I got so drunk, they kind of pushed me under a coffee table to keep me safe while they were dancing at this house party. And that was basically how I drank. I drank for the effect. I drank for oblivion. uh, And I tried to drink enough to get good and drunk, but not throw up. So, Mm. And I really, my drinking career was fairly short. I drank from 17 till... 22. Okay. Uh, and in the uh, third year of university, I moved in with my girlfriend at the time, and she was disturbed with my personality change when I drank and how I drank. So I decided to uh, quit drinking, and uh, she was disturbed with that too. Hmm. Why couldn't I just drink like a normal person? Anyhow, uh, at that time, I joined Al Anon, Adult Children of Alcoholics. Uh, I went to a few AA meetings, but I uh, felt more comfortable in Al-Anon, and uh, I was sober there for about eight and a half years uh, until the time my was my wife was expecting with our daughter, and my father-in-law passed away, and I found myself feeling suicidal. So I went to an addiction therapist, and he suggested maybe I had untreated alcoholism. So I asked him if he was daft because I hadn't uh, drank for eight and a half years, but I was I was desperate enough. I started to go to, go to AA at that time and uh, remained sober and really started to you know, look at the fourth and fifth with regards to myself and my own drinking mm-hmm. and uh, have been sober since. So. And how long has that been now, Don? Uh, it was 26 years on July the 5th. How about that? Congratulations. Oh, thank you. You know, we have a lot in common. I also have a fairly short drinking career. I started young and, fi- and finished young um, and have just celebrated 29. Actually, today is my anniversary, 29 years today. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> so, thank you. So um, how do, have you given any thought 
I, I think sometimes about um, having gotten sober young like that. Did did you find it it any? Did you find it difficult? And does it cause you any problems now? Does it concern you now? I mean, every once in a while, I think like, um, you know, it's like I'll talk to somebody. I, I had a conversation just the other day with somebody. Isn't he's a guy probably my age who's just now getting sober. And um, he he asked me, you know, how long I've been sober. I said, 29 years. And he's looking at me and he, he asked me this question. Well, did you drink a lot? It's like he it's like he thought that's weird that you you came in so young. But I'm like, I don't know. I guess I did. I, I drank enough to get, find myself here anyway. So I was just kind of wondering. And every once in a while I do. I will I will have the thought like, hmm, was I just going through a phase at that time? <laughs> you know? So did you have any challenges just as a younger person getting sober and, and how has, and has that carried through at all during the time that you've been sober the last 25 years? No, I, I haven't really found any challenges. And in fact, when I switched, I was sober eight and a half years in Al-Anon before mm -hmm. coming to AA. So I was in my early thirties before coming into AA. Sobriety is not the same as sanity. So, uh, no, I, I continue to see my, uh, compulsive and, and obsessive ways. So, no, I've never really questioned getting sober uh, that young. The only the only incident I had, uh, I was living in Ireland in 05, 06, and uh, it was the first time I ever stated that I didn't like how it works. And some guy came up to me after the meeting and said, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, my, my I had several siblings die of this, and you got sober too easily, or maybe it came uh, too. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like I'm I'm not saying your brothers and sisters were constitutionally incapable of. It's the book that's saying that. Like, right. I really don't like that reading. But anyhow, that was the first time I spoke up against the reading, and the first time I felt physically threatened for speaking yeah. up. Reading, and the first time I really somebody questioned maybe my sobriety came too easy. But right. I, again, I've when when I got married and my father in law died and my I was expecting I I, I had uh, you know depression and su suicidal thoughts and I've had this other substitute addiction so no I I I don't question it no. I to be an addict yeah a friend of mine uses this as the saying that he's a tri addict if right. he tries if he tries it he's addicted to it yeah I can relate to that actually so I, I definitely. I think I have an addictive personality. Yeah, yeah. I remember when uh, the <laughs> I'm lucky on this one when the when they um, opened up the gambling boats out here. I uh, I kind of got into that a little bit, and I would um, find myself really excited about getting off work and going to the boats. And I was getting to be really good at blackjack, and I taught myself how to count the cards and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, anyway. I was really getting into it. And, um, but what happened, I started losing all the time. I mean, I mean, I would lose from the moment I sat down from the very first hand to the very last hand <laughs> and it just, and it went really quick, but what happened, I just somehow, I didn't get hooked on it. I just kind of got bored with it. And I'm glad that I did. Cause I, I think I was going through a period of time where I, the, the, I could feel the adrenaline and the excitement and, you know, I would spend hours and hours and hours gambling, but I was really lucky not to have to somehow just kind of gotten out of that one. Yeah, you were fortunate. <laughs> so, um, 
So you you were in Ireland and you, and you mentioned that you didn't like the reading to how it works. And it took me a long time to hate that, but I do hate it now. Um, when So when you were um, doing that, what what's your belief system at the time? How did you identify and how do you identify now as, as an agnostic, atheist, free thinker, believer? I, I identify as a as an agnostic. Okay. Oh, sorry, as an atheist. As an atheist. Okay, I yeah. do too. Uh, kind of as a there's the soft atheist and hard atheist. Yeah. So uh, I identify more as the soft atheist position, I, which is I don't believe your. Uh, your proposals for God, they, they don't, uh, you haven't met the burden of proof for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but at the time I, I was, I've always been kind of agnostic. Uh, but at the time I was kind of conforming and going with the AA message and tr- trying to fake it till I make it. And, and I faked it for a really long time. And, uh, when I finally feel I made it, I made it into atheism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, same but, here. So is that why you started, is that why you spoke up about the reading, how it works? Well, um, geez, that was 2006, so it's a while ago. But uh, one of the critiques of how it works is that it, it blames the people who don't get sober. Right. And, and, and I, I agree with, I think that's a fair criticism. You know, it works if you if you work it. So if it didn't work for you, it meant you didn't work it or you're constitutionally incapable and, and I don't think that's true at all. I've seen people been being around program my entire life. I've seen people relapse for 20, 30 years. And one of my friends uh, went into a one-year recovery. And when he got out, he drank and eventually died. Mm. And these, these people, in my mind, are really, really trying. Right. So when we read that, I think it's kind of blaming the victim. and And, you know... I don't know. I guess it was just in a certain mood that night. And it's like, you know, I don't like this. And I don't think it's helpful for the newcomer. And I don't necessarily think it's helpful to repeat to the old timers over and over again. And th- and that's when I realized that uh, that might not be a safe thing to say in AA. You know, pe- people credit with AA with saving their lives. They cling to it uh, and very protective. Sure. Really cling to the dogma and the big book and any questioning of it can be dangerous. Yeah. I, and I can understand it. I mean, I was actually in that mindset at one time, I think, (sighs) and, and, and I'm not now. So I I probably should be a little bit more tolerant of the people who still are, but I'm not really. Um, It's, it's, it's tough, but I, I don't really have to deal with it too much. I don't really go to regular meetings anymore. So, what about you? What what are you doing for meetings now? Do you, I know you have a group in Odessa. Is that a group that you helped start? Yes. So uh, jumping forward several years, I had a one-year sabbatical in northern Michigan, uh, on, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan mm-hmm. uh, in 2012-13. And my daughter is homeschooled, and she was involved with a homeschool group. And to, make, uh, to have enough kids for sports teams, they... Uh, partnered up with uh, a Christian school, and uh, I was really upset with some of the uh, behavior of the Christians who were, you know, very exclusionary and and kind of shunning my daughter and doing all these things, but saying saying the opposite. And one of the uh, fathers in that group was an evangelical minister, and uh, I don't know if I had a 
target on my chest, he'd come up with the Bible and say, here, read this. And, and this means that God's already chosen his who, who's going to be saved and not. And, you know, no, if I looked at it sideways and stood on my left foot and stuck <laughs> up my tongue, I did not see that in those readings. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, that, that several experience in Michigan with very religious people got me thinking, you know, I always thought it was me. I always thought I didn't understand it. I didn't have the right languages. I didn't have the right education. And so I started Googling some of those passages and uh, started to run across some of the um, the four horsemen of the unapocalypse, mm-hmm. you know, Doc, Dawkins and uh, Christopher Hitchens. And it was the first time I ever realized, well, maybe it's not me. Maybe this doesn't make sense. So, that, and that's really what led me to my atheism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I came back to Kingston, uh, I was attending a, a discussion meeting, and my sponsor at the time uh, passed away in Florida on the golf course, which is how he would have wanted to go. But mm. he was a fairly young man, about 67. Anyhow, I joined the big book meeting. Uh, I asked another guy to sponsor me, and I joined the group that he was going to. And I uh, actually started to read the big book in a group of people and hear their views on it. Mm-hmm. And you know, we got to we agnostics. It was almost like a revival. About 12 people shared before me, and then it was my turn. And a friend, I said, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I should say what I'm thinking. And a friend said, go ahead, Don. You're among friends here. Well, I said, you know, I think this is crap. I think it's <laughs> mental. You, it was like it was like a revival. And like I let, let a stinky fart in the middle of it, and nobody wanted to say anything. Mm-hmm. But I know this is a long story, but uh, after that, I decided that wasn't fitting for me. A friend at work asked me to uh, sponsor him, and I felt it was too close to too close to comfort. So I called a colleague of mine who I knew uh, was in a similar profession and uh, had mental health issues. And so he agreed to work with this guy at my work, and we got to talking, and we both said, hey, I'm an atheist, so am I. And uh, he said, have you discovered AA agnostic? And I had. And so we really started chatting, and then, and then I, we decided we'd start a group. And uh, we jokingly say, yeah, what, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so uh, we looked in the Kingston area, which is a city of about 120,000. And uh, I live in a town of about 300, Odessa, and we found, found some church space here. So we decided to start it up here. And on July 8th of 2015, we had our first meeting, so... And how's it going? It's going fantastic. We have about 13 members in the Odessa group. Uh, about nine months in, uh, Peter T. and I started a meeting at noons in in Kingston at mm-hmm. the uh, at the Hotel du Hospital, and they're regularly getting 20 people. Oh wow! And they, as of as of yesterday, they got their registration number from WSO, so they're now a group instead of a meeting. Good. And then in January of this year, another member of our group uh, started uh, a third meeting in the West End of Kingston. Uh, she she really liked the Alternative 12-Step book mm-hmm. by Mark Cleveland. So they're working through that in that group. So yeah. we have three groups and regularly probably about 50 different people who attend regularly. And uh, we have some at least one newcomer with six months who's never attended uh, traditional aid. Mm-hmm. 
he had some sexual abuse issues in his childhood, and he was about to leave AA, and his wife noticed a secular meeting on the list, and he's been coming ever since. So. Well, good. I, I think we're filling a need, and, and I'm really excited that, that we're growing. And um, Martin D., who's now our GSR, he's quite involved with the uh, International Secular Conference, and uh, I'll be speaking at SOAR in September. So oh, great. I'm really excited. It's going very well. Yeah. Well, that is that is really nice to hear. And I think we are feeling a need. And you've got a um, you've got quite the community up there. And how 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 big was you said is, is it three hundred thousand the community that you live in or? I guess it's about three hundred people. Three hundred people. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, <laughs> very King, small. Kingston's about one hundred twenty thousand. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that is pretty good for an area like that. Well, I would say two thirds of our members are up to three quarters are driving out from Kingston. We're we're only twenty kilometers away. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we do we do very well, and uh, I I enjoy the uh, freedom of the meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, as I shared briefly before, in an AA meeting, I I often feel I'm censoring myself. Yeah. And a traditional AA, but right. in the in the uh, secular AA, you know, I've got on this kick where I don't like the word secular and I think people might be getting tired of it. Sorry, I don't like the word spiritual. Oh, spiritual. Mm-hmm. Spiritual. I don't like the word spiritual and we're reading a book that has seems to have spiritual every third word. So I often go on a rant of how I don't like the word spiritual and how it doesn't really mean anything and mm-hmm. uh, I think people are getting tired of it, but I've never criticized or challenged or ostracized or right. Or, or any of the other negative experiences I've had in traditional AA, So Yeah, no, I had the same experience. I, I, um, I, I got to the point eventually where um, I didn't feel like I, well, for most of my time in AA, I was, I was just going through the motions of doing what everyone else was doing. But when I realized I was an atheist and I really, and I started talking about the program through that perspective, um, it wasn't well received and I felt like I was walking on eggshells, but I don't feel that way now. And like you, um, I'm not crazy about the word about spirituality. I, I have some concerns about sp- uh, using spirituality um, and s- spiritual experience and all that kind of stuff um, because um, it I, I've just seen I've seen it where people make the case that this is a spiritual program so in other words it's spiritual for me it must be for you and there's and there's really like you say it doesn't really mean anything and why don't you just break down the actual things that you're talking about that you're doing that you say are spiritual um and so yeah but there's not as much as that going on in our group now but there was a time when um there was a lot of talk about how this was a spiritual program and all this other stuff but what 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 bothers you about spirituality or, or talking about spirituality or using the term? Well, that's that's a very big question. <laughs> I think part of what started my disdain for the word spiritual was, uh, if I can go into kind of the story of mm-hmm. the of uh, the challenges our group faced. So when we first formed this secular group in Odessa, uh, I emailed the webmaster and said. We formed a new AA group. How do we get listed? And they suggested we come to the PICCPC meeting. And we were greeted with open arms. You know, you hear about, uh, you know, the resistance secular groups get. But uh, 
the webmaster said, I'm getting two or three emails a month of people who want AA without the God stuff. This is just what we need. And the chair, uh, Jeff L., he was so excited, and he came to two or three meetings. And the other member, I believe her name was Katrina, she was excited. And they uh, threw us up on the website, and, and, and they, were, they were thrilled. And then the next week, there was a district meeting. So we don't have an intergroup. We're a small area. So the, so the district runs the meeting list. And district was not as thrilled. And there was immediately uh, a motion to delist us. Why? So what was their reason? Their reason was that we had modified the step. And so we weren't AA. We were help, help. They were welcome for us to... You know, form our own group and go up on our own, but we but we weren't AA. And at the time, the groups in Toronto were delisted. Right. So they were kind of following the Toronto lead. Yeah. Did you guys rewrite the steps? Uh, yes, we did use a secular version of the steps. Mm -hmm. uh, in in our original meeting uh, format, I had suggested people could go to aagnostica.org if they right. wanted information which they accused us of being a, an outside affiliation oh boy and uh yeah and we were using uh, we we're a book study not mm. a big book study we're a book study yeah. so we decided to study martha cleveland's book the alternative 12 steps as we our use first that we use that book a lot okay so we use that as our first book and we read two or three pages a week and comment and then continue and so those were all the charges against us. Mm -hmm. So the next district meeting, I just brought everything. I brought our steps. I brought our meeting format. I brought, I brought everything. And then I said, this is what we're doing and feel free to distribute it. And afterwards, I got into a debate with a guy and he said, well, I'm going to vote to delist you, but why don't we agree just to live and let live? And I said, well, that doesn't sound like live and let live to me if you're voting to kick me out. Why don't we discuss it? So during our discussion, he made a couple claims. First, he, I said, do you believe a is, uh, alcoholism is a disease? And he said, yes, I do. It's a spiritual disease. And I said, well, what does that mean? Mm. And he says it means you can't get sober without God. Oh, boy. And then I said, well, I'm here. And I'm sober without God. He says, but you've been going to traditional A, so you might not know it, but you God has actually helped you. <laughs> <laughs> I, and you're an atheist. You've probably run into these arguments yeah. before. So uh, I'm just in denial or something of God. So that that was my first real disdain for for the word spiritual. Mm -hmm. I've, al I've always suspected it was a bait and switch for God, mm -hmm. but th that really solidified it. And then, you know, I looked it up in the dictionary, and spiritual refers to the soul or the religious part of you. And then I looked up secular, and secular is not spiritual. Or, right. So it's like, it's a, it's a paradox in your program. So, I, you know, I started asking people, what does spiritual, not religious mean? Mm -hmm. And about half of them would say, well, you need God, but you can get sober without religion. And it's like, well, isn't a belief in God? A religion like isn't that religious but mm -hmm. so again I, uh, I do struggle with the word spiritual quite a bit uh, and what's helped me lately I've started to read books I don't know if you're familiar with Sam Harris mm -hmm, I am 
He has a book, Waking Up, mm -hmm. and he describes very well my consciousness before sobriety, where where uh, I was always either looking to maximize happiness or avoid pain. Mm -hmm. And then when you get what you want, it's it's very fleeting, mm -hmm. and then you go to the next thing. So th that's how I experienced my addiction and my life. You know, I I went through and I got a bachelor's degree, and then I didn't really like the work I got with that, and wasn't what the people with the master's degrees were doing the good work and then mm. went through a master's degree and I was like, well, you know, I want to be a prof eventually. I'm not sure this is what I want to do. So, you know, it was always the next step I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And what Sam Harris describes, which I, I, I adopted as my version of spirituality is it's, it's, it's an altered state of consciousness where we live in the moment and expand and think of others and our effect on others. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I've come to a spirituality at the moment. Yeah, I guess I got to where um, I saw it as just language and it seemed like it was okay for me if it was like written in a if it was written as a way to communicate an idea that would make it palatable for a person to read and understand and comprehend and somehow internalize kind of like reading a poem or something um so i would look at it that way um but then we had some people coming into the group who were just so adamant that it ha that we couldn't think our way into sobriety and all this stuff. But the th the problem I had with it was they weren't speaking from their own experience and personalizing it for them themselves. It was, they were insinuating that we all had to have that spiritual connection or whatever. Ah, that's what I don't like. And it seems it, like... And it right, comes right out of the big book, though, Yeah. Right? And this is at a secular meeting, too. And so it's like something about, something about spirituality... Um, it is very similar to religion in that and that a lot of the people who seem to have that that feeling um they want other people they they feel like everyone must have that or whatever and i wish that those that if people have that feeling i think that's okay but don't insist that the rest of us do and let's focus on whatever it is that you're describing what you're doing um the the you know what what is it you actually believe in what what are you doing um so like what is spiritual meditation i guess if you're meditating then talk about what you're doing with meditation are you are you being honest with yourself are you trying to live an ethical life then talk about those things um you know are are you experiencing emotional growth and and mental stability and peace of mind maybe maybe those things you're describing as a spiritual awakening so i i wish that we could be more specific about our language um when we're sharing like that i now here i am saying we but but at least at least don't you know maybe it's better for i don't know that's how i feel anyway that's how i i try to do it i just um i don't really care what other people believe i don't even care what i believe i i care more about what i do the actions i take i'm i'm mostly with you on that yeah. I, I think the actions are very important. I, I think uh, part of my goal of starting a secular meeting, and, and we've settled on the term secular, is so that we can welcome the 35 to 40 percent of our population that are non-believers without scaring them away. So, and I think I think words are powerful. And I, you know, if 
if spirituality is a sense of connectedness and inner peace and awe and wonder, mm -hmm. uh, that that's quite a mouthful. But maybe we could find a, a word that reflects that because uh, I know my sponsor said the word spiritual spirit comes from breath, right? And, and then that was hijacked to have a religious meeting meaning. And uh, as I tell him, yeah, but it's it's been hijacked. And everyone in our society associates a religious meaning with it. Sure. Not none of us are ancient Romans who think it's breath. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, again, I've, I I do believe in in prayer and meditation. I, I was call, calling it contemplation for a while, but I'm happy to call it prayer now. I don't believe I'm praying to anything, mm -hmm. but it gives me. You know, it gives me a, a spot inventory of my emotions and mental condition and thought pattern. So if I'm resentful at somebody and I'm praying for them for love and understanding and peace and forgiveness, then I know I'm not in a bad spot. Right. If, I'm, if I'm praying that they get hit by a bus, well, that's, that's a hint that maybe I need to talk to my sponsor or, or maybe I'm still harboring resentment or... You know, so in that way, I think prayer is is an insight in, into my mental condition and my state. Well, I prayed for many years um, in AA, and it got to be sort of a habit for me. Um, but I, and I guess I probably still do to a certain extent. If I'm really, um, I mean, I still say the Serenity Prayer. I recite that from time to time. Um, I don't really think of myself as praying. But I'm just reminding myself of um, what I, I think that that prayer has a lot. It has a lot of meaning to me, and it reminds me to take it to to stop and think about what I that I can't change, what I can't change, what I can change. You know, helps me, calms me down. So, and and we use it in our group, but we've we've modified it to the declaration of serenity. So we say uh, we we drop God and we say I seek the serenity. Okay, because I I don't believe I'm being granted serenity from an from a deity or an external source. So yeah, that's how we've kind of dealt with that. Well, that's interesting. So what is your meeting like? What's what is what is the format of that meeting? So we uh, we read the uh, we have an opening. We ask people to turn off their cell phones, uh -huh. and then we we have the. Uh, Serenity Declaration. So you start with that. Does does everybody recite it as a group? Yes. Okay. Uh, and then we read the uh, secular preamble. I'm mm -hmm. sure you're familiar yeah. with. Yeah. And then they preamble uh, the statement of anonymity. Uh, then we go to announcements and seventh tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we read from a book. So the first book we read from was the Alternative Twelve Steps mm -hmm. by Mark. Cleveland took us about nine months, and then we spent about nine months on living sober, and now we're on waking up or uh, waiting. Oh, that's waiting. a good book. Uh, well, <laughs> I struggle with that one. But <laughs> is that the one you're talking about that talks about spirituality all the time? Oh yes, yeah. Seven times a paragraph. But doesn't she write well? It's it's very poetic. It's very well written. Well, that's what I think about. You know, I think about, um, and it's been a while since I've read that book, but when um, I introduced that book to our group, and boy, people loved it, and we were doing our step studies from it, you know, okay. and a lot of people started working the steps using her book, and that's what kind of gave me the idea to think about spirituality as nothing more than language, because she had 
a way of connecting with people through her words. And the people were taking her language and putting into putting um, what she was saying into action in their lives. And it was making a difference. Um, and, I, I, I do yeah. find when I see the word spiritual, I, I go, what, what is that? What does yeah. that mean? Or like we have to develop a spiritual life and we're spiritual beings. And what part of I like, I don't want to put down the book. Sure. I hear you. Personal critique is she never defines what secular spirituality is right. in the chapter she defines what it's not right but, and i i had the same thing with ernest kurt's book not god um, he did or, or the spirituality of imperfection right, he dis- i have not dis- read that he describes what spirituality isn't mm-hmm. but i'm still left thinking well what is it but if you read her examples the example this week on step 11 was about uh, nature sitting in nature and by, by a lake and 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 the sense of awe and wonder and connectedness one gets. So, right. so I I uh, I'd sobered up in Calgary and I used to hike in the Rocky Mountains a lot. So I get that if if that's what spiritual means, a connection with nature, a connection with other people, I get that. But but again, when the word appears repeatedly, I'm left scratching my head, going, I don't know what that means. And to be honest, what I've done is I it's often used as an adjective and i just drop it yeah i, I hear you and to live want to live a full spiritual life so if we want to live a fulfilling life i don't find it's much different and, and it makes more sense to me no i agree but you know i th- i kind of think um if you actually talk to her if you're having a conversation with her she would be talking about um what she actually you know she she would be speaking like let real flowery I mean, I think the flowery language is for writing. And I think that what she, that's just my sense. I don't know, though. Maybe she would talk like that. I've met her before, but I didn't get to talk to her a whole lot. But I don't really, (laughs) I don't want to put her down. That wasn't the purpose of this. I hope she doesn't listen to it. But I I do struggle with the repetition of the word spiritual in the book. And I've got a lot of good from that book. And my fellow group members love that book. Yeah. There's a member with 40 seven 48 years experience in our group and he said that's the book best book he's ever read on yeah and i've gone through a phase i mean i don't i don't um i'm not as crazy about as i used to be because i've fallen out of um favor with spirituality more so um as time has gone on and like um if i lead a meeting sometimes i'll pull out different books and i I just think, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about that. So I haven't been using her book a lot lately, but we used to use it a lot. It's kind of funny how, you know, I, I've changed a lot and I continue to change with how I think. You know, I might be completely different on the subject a year from now. Yes, I do find it's an evolution, right? Yeah. We're constantly growing. And I might like, um, I might at one certain time in my life, I might be, you know, totally practical um, with my approach and then at other times in my life I might be more poetic or you know in, in, with it but I'm, I'm at more of a more pragmatic practical um, approach right now um, which I'm fine with I've gotten I've gotten pretty I've gotten pretty loose you know with um, a lot of things um, lately I really focus on um, the relationships with the people in the meeting. I don't worry too much about what's going on in the meeting, but just having the experience with the people and getting to know them and talking to them and 
also watching them and as they get better and as they start having relationships with other people and making friends and so forth that that's what that all of that experience together makes makes it all more meaningful to me i guess that's a big part of my recovery today i think oh i think the people in the fellowship and 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 the vulnerable sharing that happens at our meetings is is really what keeps me coming back and and growing and enjoying it i think so too i i was really moved at a meeting the other day just because of the the honesty of of what was being shared and there was a lot of um oh, there's a lot of different emotion going on. There was some laughter and there were some real periods of seriousness and a a person cried. And it was just, you know, just really, it's really a powerful experience to have all of that in one one hour. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's that's that's what I think is special about AA is that during an AA meeting, you everybody has their two minutes or whatever to say what they want to say you know, without interruption and um, just to be heard. And when you hear one person after another and you listen to them, it's interesting how that 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 makes into a conversation in a way. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty unique, I think. I feel I feel like it might be unique anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know I, I know I think the fellowship part of the program is is really the core of, yeah. of the healing. So your group, your groups involved. You mentioned that you have a GSR, and so do you, I guess are you guys pretty connected and involved with the service structure? Yeah, we're involved in it with our local district. Uh, last year, we were asked to do some service work chairing a hospital meeting, and we ended up doing it three times in a six-month period. So, mm-hmm. and then this month we're chairing a detox meeting. So we're 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 being being accepted and given service work so it's so how did it come about how did they finally go from not wanting to list you to accepting you well it was it was a two-year process so uh, as i mentioned uh i guess it was september of october of uh, 2015 there was a more there was discussion to delist us uh-huh. and in november of 2015 a motion was put forward and it was tabled to the december meeting and uh the vote was actually 60% to delist us and 40% to keep us. But our, our district requires a two-third majority. So, and, and the debate was so heated and divisive, as soon as the motion was defeated, somebody put a motion to have a moratorium for a year on discussing our group. Oh, wow. Or, or delisting a group. Okay. Which passed. Well, we thought it was unanimous, but the next month, some, one person said they had actually voted against us. So, uh, so then for 2016, we had this moratorium. In January of 2017, a few members started to bring up our group again, how we were violating traditions and you know how we should form our own thing, how we aren't, weren't real AA. And fortunately, in February of this year, the uh, GTAI settled with Larry Kay, right. the Human Rights Tribunal. And so so the next meeting, we brought the results of that, and, and the Toronto groups were relisted. I believe it was in March, uh, we had an area meeting. All the, the area meetings for, for Toronto, Ottawa, Kingston are all held in Kingston every year. Mm-hmm. So, so our, our district, uh, our DCM and alternate DCM and our group rep all met with the area people 
And the area people basically said a district has no opinion on the internal operations of a group. That's right. Good. So since then, uh, there are a couple of vocal people, but it's uh, it's mostly died down. And yeah. we do our own thing, and they do their own thing. But uh, yes, yeah, so it it was again, it was a two year struggle, mm-hmm. and uh, it was very emotional for me by times. I actually was district rep until December of 2015, and I was almost physically sick at supper the night before going to that meeting where they were going to have the vote. And yeah. so I just called the alternate, and he went, and I stepped down. I, I just, you know, I was just too obsessed and too stressed. It's funny mm-hmm. growing up in recovery. You know, I know the one place you cannot be rejected is AA, and then they were voting to kick me and my group out <laughs> no. and our group out so it was it was uh, it really felt like a shunning and, yeah. and, and so i've not experienced that i hope i never do that 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 would be hard to comprehend i um we we haven't had to experience that here where i where i live but you know it could have happened you know there i know when uh the, the story i hear now is that when our first when our group first wanted to be listed um, that there was a debate about it, and there were a lot of people that didn't want to list our group, but ultimately they they said that they had to to follow the traditions that uh, our central office told us that well every group has a right to be wrong is how they put it, <laughs> so that's yeah. that's the rationale that they used to list us. But since then we've been um, you know we've tried to be good citizens of AA and we've tried to contribute to the community and we we were involved with our district and, and our central office and all of that so we try to do our part um, yeah we we have members of the uh, PICCPC committee we have a member on the corrections committee we have members who volunteered for the bridging the gap so yeah. so yeah we're we're fairly uh, active group uh, as a group that helps yeah People get to know you, so that's good. Yeah, it does. It helps the group, and I've I've actually gotten to where I I enjoy it. Um, I don't really have a position right now. I I do go to our area assembly. I'm uh, I am on the archives committee. I'm an alternate chair of the archives committee, but I don't really do anything. Okay. But, but I enjoy going, and I and I've gotten to um, I don't know. I just enjoy the people there. We are trying something right now. Um. We're putting up for discussion this idea of making of having um, the God pamphlet um, get approved by AA World Services for for use in the North in North America, and so we presented that at Area Assembly just to put it on the um, agenda for discussion in September at our next assembly. Okay. And then the idea is that we'll talk about it, and then um, if we this, have this is the British pamphlet, the mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Okay. And then what we'll do is um, after we'll have some discussion and then um, ask the area to vote on a motion, which is basically to have the area um, to have our delegate, um, you know, vote in favor of or ask, you know, have our area delegate ask the um, general service conference to to do it. And I know they're doing that in Ontario, and there's an area in Florida that's also doing the same thing. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm. I'm hearing though. Um, I'll. I'll get some more information on this. That there are there are some uh, past delegates that are just that are not wanting us to do this, 
but uh, I need to talk to them to find out what they're talking about. I, I, I don't think that they, they want to prevent us from, I think they're trying to help us. And I think that maybe the concern is that the area won't vote for this and that we don't really need to go through the area to do this anyway. And I know that they're right, but I want, I want the people of Missouri to be aware of the situation. I want them to know about the pamphlet and the, and that there's that our group wants it and that that there's a lot of uh, atheists and agnostics in AA that might benefit from having that kind of material. So that's that's the main reason I wanted it. Even if they if the assembly doesn't vote for it, at least they would get to hear about it. They know about it and talk about it and discuss it, and then I would know where they stand. That's what is always so helpful for me is to get uh, get an idea of what other people think about us because it's surprising okay. sometimes probably um, not, probably not so surprising for you though because they told you exactly what they thought about you I, I i i know i've talked about the delisting but there were some people who really stood up for for our groups based on the principles and faced fairly personal attacks and so there are people who believe that a is for for everyone the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking but there is a, I would say, close to a majority who believe you have to follow the steps as written, and there's yeah. one way the program, and that's with God. So well, that's well, just that's but, probably but, the way it is here too. But people are now in our district are at least accepting that we have the privilege or the right or the traditions allow us to work the program as we see fit. Yeah, and and I'm, we're helping people, and so oh, yeah, absolutely. It is telling, though, because uh, a member of ours just got a 20-year medallion, and he belonged to one group for almost 19 years before he joined us. <laughs> and none of those members came to his 20-year medallion. Oh, that's sad. So that was kind of sad. So Yeah. I, uh, that's kind of a shock. <laughs> I kind of had that experience, too. My old home group, they never, never see me anymore. That's okay, though. Yeah. I thought... But some of those people you were probably close to. I felt like I was anyway. You know, yeah. um, I wrote about that. I wrote about uh, my experience of um, leaving my old home group and saying goodbye. And um, I, at the time, I had different emotions. I had mixed emotions about it. I was, part of me was angry um, at them. And some part of me was hurt that these, these people didn't, you know, I never heard from them again. Um, but... Um, in the comments section, Joe um, C., he wrote something that um, made me think. He said that, you know, we have kind of a false sense of intimacy in AA. And um, it, it really made me think that, yeah, you know, I probably did feel closer to those people than I, than I really was. And um, also, there's another weird thing about AA um, is that if you, if you don't go, I mean, no one, it's almost like no one wants to drag you back in, you know, Yeah, <laughs> it's up to you whether you come or not. So I don't know. I don't really think about it anymore. I did go back there uh, about, about a month ago, just for the hell of it. And it's no big deal. But anyway, I thought Don, we're coming up on an hour. Um, why, hey, don't we why don't we talk about SOAR a little bit? You said you're going to speak there. Do you have any um, updates about what's going on with the, with the convention and, uh, I'm not really on the committee. Uh, I know it's coming up on September 16th, I believe. Right. So uh, I did you say in a podcast that you're coming up to it? Yes, my plan is to go up there. I haven't gotten my plane ticket yet, but um, yes, that's my plan. So it's uh, 
my understanding it's from the program is from 10 a.m till 10 or 11 p.m mm -hmm. it's at steel workers hall which yep. is near the university of toronto so mm -hmm. and uh, there's speakers and i believe they're serving three meals so yep. it should it should be a good day um and really that's all i know i i uh, volunteered to speak and they uh, asked me to so i cool. I'm, I'm, the topic is uh, what can we learn from traditional AA ma meetings? So, oh, well, that'd be interesting. Well, my first read of it was what what can we get from traditional AA meetings, and my immediate thought was resentments. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yes, there is a a lot I think we can learn from traditional AA. Yeah, so. yeah, there probably is. I, I mean, yeah, I know that there is. I, um, I, I still have respect for it and everything. I, I'm not a, you know, I, I consider myself a member of AA, um, and you know, we exist pretty well with, with, with it here. So anyway, it's really nice. It's been nice to talk to you and get to know you. Um, and thank I, you, so much. And, and it's great to hear about what's going on in your area with, with your groups. It's reminiscent of what's happening here. Um, and I think that it's just kind of cool to be part of all of this at this time in our history in AA to watch all of this unfold. It's very exciting for me to 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 see uh, secular AA grow and 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 it's really revitalized my passion for the, for recovery. Yeah, me too. Me too. Absolutely. Some of the surprising stuff that, that happened was we've had we have several members who were only attending a sporadically three or four mm -hmm. times a year still sober and one hadn't attended for four or five years and and they've joined our group mm -hmm. regularly mm -hmm. so that's really heartening yeah and we have other people who who come uh they have uh, legitimate reasons where are or grudges against the god word or mm -hmm. histories where it's very uncomfortable for them to be around and we're able to help them too so it's yeah. very it's very gratifying yeah yeah same here I, and it's just uh, to, the last meeting I was at, we had 25 people in the room and it's just like, uh, man, I can't believe this. And we've got now, well, we got seven meetings a week in, in our city. So, wow. you know, now you're a big, bigger area, right? Well, I guess we, yeah, Kansas City um, metropolitan area is pretty big, about a million people, maybe more the total metropolitan area. Okay. But Kansas City, Missouri, where I live is about 400,000 people. Okay. So, yeah, it's a, it's you know, a significant enough population that you can have meetings like that. So, I'm kind of kind of fortunate, you know, just 3 years ago there weren't any in this city. Yeah, I'm very grateful uh, and uh well, I'm hoping that uh, Canada's about uh 40% uh secular and I'm mm -hmm. I, I would be very gratified if in 5 years 40% of the meetings are secular. That would be really cool if that. I, I don't, that's not going to happen in the United States, I don't think. But if it happened in Canada, that would have a huge impact on AA in North America. So I think that'd be pretty cool. Well, I guess that winds things up for us today, Don. Uh, thank you very much for participating in the podcast today. We'll get this posted here. Uh, looks like it'll be August the twentieth. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye bye. Uh Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon enough with another episode for your listening pleasure. Until then, don't drink, go to meetings, and help others.